Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So this morning, we are finishing our series, and um, I get to interview my friend, Lisa Young. Lisa Young is the assistant, hold on, the assistant director of ITS services at NAU. Um, I don't fully know, I know it has to do with computers, because anytime I have a problem with my computer, I call Lisa. Because if you've got a problem, yo, she'll solve it. Um, if you don't know that song, you're sad. Um, but so, but Lisa is, uh, so Lisa's been a friend of mine. We met in Israel, um, and then through that, we, we ended up serving together in youth ministry, um, and now we serve together here at City View. They are one of my key anchor couples, her and her husband, and if you don't know, like, this is her family over here. This is her little arm candy over here, um, Maya, and um, Tony um, just sort of helps her out with everything she does. Um, no, I'm kidding. This is her husband, Pastor Tony, Maya. They have a son named David, and they have a daughter named Alicia who is serving the Lord in Guatemala. Good morning, Lisa. Morning. How are you? Good. We're closer this service. I know. I feel this is, feels better. I like this. You were like we were like far apart last service. But Lisa, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do um, there at NEU, and a little bit about yourself if you want. So I am the assistant director of the Service Desk and Technical Support, which really means that I um, oversee the help desk, which that's what the service desk is. So the people that you call when you have a computer problem, and then the technical support side is the people who actually, if they can't help you over the phone, somebody has to physically go help you do that. And we provide support for all faculty, staff, and students um, across the state, as well as a student can be anywhere. Faculty are usually are all in the states, but um, students can be anywhere, any country, and we do all of their support. Now, how many campuses do you, you work with? So we have 24 campuses in Arizona. And so you make sure that everybody's computers, including mine, um, and I don't, I'm not a student, all of them are working. Yes. So today, one of the things we're talking about is we're talking about multi the importance of multiplication. And if we try to do everything on our own, we will never succeed. We will fail. And it's important to be able to multiply ourselves. So Lisa, in your line of work, so there's 24 campuses. Um, that's a lot of computers to oversee. And some of you are like, what is, how does this apply to me? Well, you're going to get there. We're going to get there. So that's a lot of campuses to oversee a lot of computers to make sure are working. So in your line of work, why is multiplication so important? Um, well, for a lot of reasons. One, because that's a lot of campuses and a lot of locations. So we need a lot of us to provide support for our students. We provide 24-7 support. So there need to be a lot of people who can help meet that need. Um, and then we want to multiply because we want to have consistency in service and we want to see students succeed in a way that, um, you know, th so to further their education. So to do that, you know, there have to be a lot of people. We have to be available when they need us to be available. Now, Lisa, wh what did you go to school for? To be a PE teacher. And and is are you doing that? No. Now, Tell me why you like what you do now, though. Um, education is really important to me. Um, no matter what that looks like, for some people it might be going to a university, for some people it might be trade or anything, just anything that you do. I think continued learning is important. Um, and the reason I like NAU and its drive for education is because their overall mission is to provide it to all of Arizona. So we 
provide um, opportunities for like the reservations um, and other places, uh, Yuma, Tucson, that um, where they would get the same experience that they would get if they were on our mountain campus, which is our main campus in Flag. So um, I just am encouraged by the opportunity to be able to help some people who wouldn't otherwise be able to get the education that I think everybody deserves. So you're, part of your purpose, what you love to do, is you love to make sure that people get the education that they, they need and that they want. Right. And you get to fulfill that in your role at your work. Yes. That's great. So, so in, your, in your role there at NAU, you, you have to multiply yourself. Um, tell me, how, how, how does that work? How, how have you seen that struggle? But also, how have you seen that as a positive thing in helping people learn the importance of multiplication and how even helping your team know that it can't just stop with you. So tell me about that process at your work. So I think one of the first ways is that we create a team culture. So right from the beginning, if, you're, um, if you come to work for us, is that they understanding that we all are part of a team and that we all play a role in the success of students or the ex experience that our customers get with us. So um, I think it's important um, to keep that culture going and understand the importance of every role and how we can all build on each other. Um, I also think one of the other things that we do is we um, we learn from each other um, and empower each other. And so the way that we empower them is that we trust them to do things that maybe they're not normally comfortable with or just give them opportunities to grow professionally. Now, last service you talked about, you, you said two key things last service, that as a team you have to learn to trust each, each other and that you have to learn it's okay to fail. Tell me, why is that good for us in life? And tell me how that has worked and how you've seen people grow in, in trusting each other and then being okay to fail, in, in being having that opportunity to fail and, and still be successful. Well, I think that, again, is part of that culture, is having those conversations and, and letting them know that um, it is okay to fail. Um, we grow by failing. And if we don't attempt to do something that we're not comfortable or that's outside of our scope, then we then we can't grow. So, um, and I think we create that culture that says it's okay. Um, we don't all know everything, but we have this team um, of experts that can help if we get run into something. And if we make a wrong decision, I think it's important to um, support them. So again, to let them know and to, to let them know that it's okay that you did that. And let's how are we going to use that for growth? Um, and if we don't give people the opportunity to fail then they do, they get kind of stagnant in what they do, and I think it's important to, to give those opportunities. You know, some of the leadership coaches I, I, I listen to, one of them says that if you can find somebody who's 80% as good as you at doing something, hand it to them. Craig Groeschel says, he's another, uh, another leadership guy, he says, if you can find somebody who's 50% as good as you at doing something, hand it over to them. How have you seen that applied even in your work where you're needing to hand something over. You know they're not ready, but you also know that they are ready. How have you seen that? Um, we do that. We, we hire people pretty young, so I think we just give them those opportunities. to. We actually, you have to trust them, and that's kind of a hard thing. But really, if you trust the system and trust the team as a whole, then it's easier to kind of trust that individual that's taking that first step or that first opportunity um, to to do something different or outside of the scope. Uh, but I think it, a lot of it is about having those conversations and, and actually building them up or letting them know because I think that's, it's hard to let go of things that you're, um, you already know how to do or you know you can do right. Um, but 
it's super, I mean, that's what happened for me is that, but getting the opportunity and then succeeding um, is so encouraging and empowering and it makes you want to do it more and to try different things. So why do you value multiplication in the culture at your work? Because it makes us better as a team. It makes, by having a lot of people who can do either the same thing or different things, and it also creates that same customer experience, which is something else, again, another area that we strive for is, um, and it gives our students an opportunity to succeed. That is awesome. Now, Lisa, let's wrap, I'm going to wrap up with one last question. And You know, we've been going through this series, The Purpose, and and Rob shared about what he loves to do, and Trace shared um, a couple weeks ago about, he talked about, you know, if, if you can either be comfortable or you can grow, um, you, you can't do both. And, and you're sharing about how you love to see people, you know, have that opportunity to learn, and, but also the needing to multiply in your culture. Like, you have to trust one another, and you have to be okay if they fail. Um, how, how could you encourage us in here today? Maybe we're we're wanting to grow maybe more in our purpose or what God's calling us to do. And, and what's some encouragement you might say to somebody who's really in that battle of, you, maybe they went to school to be a PE teacher, but that's not where they're working. And maybe they're struggling with, I know I need to multiply, but I do it way better on my own. Um, how would you encourage somebody today? Um, I would say, for, first and foremost is, you know, if you don't try then you don't know if you're going to have that opportunity to succeed. You, and I and find a mentor or a coach. Um, if you have a passion for something, whether it's what you're currently doing or something that you want to do or feel called to do, find somebody else who's already doing that and successful. Because it's it's so much more easy to be successful when you have somebody who's cheering you on, who who has done, been through that same process. So even if you hit some failures or some roadblocks, they probably, a mentor can tell you, I, that happened to me too. Because I think sometimes people see people at their success level or something and think it was all easy for them. But we've all failed and we've all struggled. And we all still fail all the time if we want to still grow. I mean, we take challenge, we do, there's challenges every day in what we do. Um, but we just can't be afraid to try. So good. We guys please thank Lisa for sharing today? Lisa, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So, you know what? We're continuing this this series. um, And I've had this tree up here for four weeks now. And the first week, I, I, I talked about how if you're not planted, you will die. And if you look at my tree, he, he, I don't know if trees are it. Sorry for calling me anything. Mr. Potato Head. Um, this tree, it's, it's, not, it's not looking the best. If you remember week one, like it was green and pretty happy and looked good. Week four, it's telling me, if you don't plant me, Jeremiah, I'm going to die. That's what it's telling me. That was, that was week one. Week one, I, I talked about if you're not planted, you will die. And that, that's the truth in our lives. If, if we're not planted, we will die. Like if, if we're not planted in the right thing, that, that we, don't, we won't have much hope for our life. And then the, the second week of the series, I talked about the importance of pruning. Like this tree, I'm going to let it grow and it's going to grow, but there's going to be branches that I'm going to need to cut off. 
Some of them need to cut off because they're not healthy branches. Some I need to cut off because I want it to grow better branches. And, and I'm going to have to cut off good ones so that it can grow even better ones. And so in, in that, my, my main point of week two was you can either be comfortable or you can grow. And I could let this tree go. And so many of us were like, well, I don't want to disturb. I don't want to offend. I don't want to do anything. But that's, never, that's not the best thing to do. Growth happens when we get uncomfortable. Like, like Lisa said, like, we could just stay and not do anything. But Lisa said, but try. And I wonder how many of us, like, our next thing to do is we just need to try something new. And I wonder what that might look like for us. And some of us, it might just be your boss keeps offering you this opportunity. Like, hey, do you want to try this? You're like, uh-uh, that's scary. But what if, what if that's new? What if it's a, a new ministry opportunity here at church? Like, we keep talking about it. You're like, but I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. How do you know until you know, until you try? Let me tell you, when, when, I, was told, when I was asked, you know, Jeremiah, you should teach to high school. And, and I, was, I was just a kid. I was 16 years old. Jeremiah, you should try. And I didn't know I was going to be in ministry. At that time, I just wanted to teach literature. And I was like, okay, I'll teach. And I don't even remember what I shared in high school to all my peers. It's all of my fellow high school students. They're all my friends. They all know me as whatever. I don't even know. And I tried. And guess what? I failed hard. It was a terrible, terrible, I don't even know if I call it a sermon. I'd call it a a throw up all over everybody of whatever I talked about. I don't even know. I think I preached Psalm 1. I don't even, I I know my dad helped me. But you see, Lisa said, you you got to just try, and I love that. You can either be comfortable or you can grow. And then week three, last week, I said, I had weeds up here, and I had a, a, pot, of, uh, a pot of weed. I had a pot with weeds, and I had my plant. And I said, don't water the weeds, because whatever you water will grow. Choose wisely. And in that, I said, you know, we choose every day what we're going to water in life, what we're going to care and what we're going to tend to. And so many of us, we tend to the weeds. And so I played, I played basketball on Wednesday night with the guys. If, if you're a dude and you love basketball, if you're a girl and you're great at basketball, it doesn't really matter. But it's a whole bunch of guys. We play every Wednesday night. We. I played once. They play every Wednesday. And I wouldn't even call what I did play. I would call what I did. Well, three different people told me throughout as I walked here. Um, they said, Jeremiah, don't get hurt. That was confidence in me. Um, or they just knew I'd, I'd go extreme. But so I was out here um, Wednesday night. They, they do from 6.30 to like, I don't even know, like 8.30 or 9 o'clock. But throughout that time, each of those, like there were probably five guys that said, Jeremiah, don't water your weeds. They said, Jeremiah, I've been thinking all week about the weeds that I water. I was like, man, that's so good. That's so good because we do that. And today, what I want to encourage you with today is get planted. Because when you get planted, then you will grow. Growth happens. Growth happens when you're planted. This, this tree today is going to get planted. I already dug the hole. Here's, here's the picture of the hole, except somebody told me it might be too close to my AC unit, so I might have to move it. Somebody's have to dig a whole new flipping hole. Yay. <sighs> I'll measure. But I already dug the hole. You know why? You know why I did the hard work? One, the ground was wet. Two, um, 
I don't want this to die. So I'm going to do the work that needs to be done. You know, in each of, you, in each of your lives, if, if you want to see growth, if you want to see change happen in your lives, you've got to do the work. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and give you the power to do the work, but you've got to provide and got to get into those opportunities. And so I want you to know, this is what I want you to know. Get planted. Be rooted in, in Jesus because nothing else will ever satisfy. Nothing else will ever satisfy. Be rooted because here's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus' plan is to reach the world. That's his plan. He wants to reach the world, and he has only one way of doing it, one way, and he wants to use you to do it. That's how Jesus is going to reach the world. He, he has no other plan. There's no plan B, plan A. There's only plan A. He says, I want to reach the world, and I want to use you to do it. He doesn't have a plan B. He's not like, well, if the human beings, if they don't work, I'll use all the dogs on earth. I'll use all the cats. No, he would never say that. I'll use, um, who knows? No, he says, this is my plan A. This is how I'm going to reach the world. I want to use people. I want to use you, them to change the world. So I encourage you today. Be planted. Let's pray. And we'll get in the scripture. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for that you want to use us. Jesus, thank you that you desire to change our lives. Jesus, I ask that you would encourage us now. Lord, I ask that you would not just speak to us, but speak to churches all over the valley. Whether they're at Calvary, Hope City, Desert Breeze, City View Church. Jesus, speak. It's only in your name that we pray. Amen. So if you can picture with me, Jesus, he is, he is getting ready um, to, to speak. He's, he's been speaking to crowds of people all day. And he's been encouraging people all throughout his day of ministry. And we come to the end now of, of, of this moment in Matthew chapter 9. This sort of pinnacle moment where Jesus has been reaching people. He's been, he's been um, telling people about him. He's been giving people hope all day long. And we get to this moment of Matthew chapter 9. And, and if you can picture with me Jesus sitting and he sees this crowd of people. And he says this. He says, see, it says, seeing the crowd, Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, Jesus turned to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. Have you ever had an urgency to get something done before? Have you ever just like almost had that panic moment where you're like, I've got to do it and I've got to do it now. So my wife and I are in that urgent moment right now. We have a puppy, her, or we have a dog. Her name is Desi. She's a, she's a French bulldog. We bred her back in January, January 19th, 23rd, and 26th. You're not supposed to do it that far apart. We didn't know we're new at this. We didn't think she was pregnant. You laughing at me again, Maya? 
We didn't think she was pregnant. Well, Monday, this week, this last week, Monday, I look at Des, our little French bulldog, and I, I say, honey, she's definitely fatter. She goes, I've been thinking that. And I go, I think, and we just got a puppy. I know we're crazy. Don't judge. You do crazy things too, and I don't judge. I sometimes judge you, but... Um, so we set up an appointment for her to get an x-ray because that's how you find out how many puppies are in your dog. That's tomorrow. Today, as my, my wife and I are sitting there having our, reading our Bibles in the morning because that's what we do, Des starts panting very loud. And we just start thinking, oh, dear Lord. She can't have puppies yet. Des, you just have to wait one more day. The urgency in our hearts went racing up. We thought, we don't have much time. And I wonder if that was Jesus' heart when he saw this crowd of people hurting and sad. And then he sees all these people. And it says, and seeing the crowd, he felt compassion. He felt this urgency. They need to know that there is hope that there is hope. He saw these people, and he so wants them to get planted and rooted and know that there's life for them. He had just finished doing all this work. He had just finished healing a paralytic. He just finished calling leaders to come alongside him. He just answered questions, healing a guy's daughter. He healed a woman. He cast out a demon out of another guy, and he sees this crowd of people, and he could have said to this crowd when the disciples are there, he could have said, guys, I'm tired. I don't have time. I don't want to serve. I don't want to help people today. I felt that way right here earlier this morning when we were doing our morning talk down before service. And I was tired. I was anxious, actually. Anxious about everything that was going on this week. Thinking about my dog. Thinking about I, I have to speak at this, this event on or this leadership thing on Wednesday. And, and I'm so distracted. I'm thinking about this, this thing that I've got to talk, out, talk about, talk at, speak at. Hopefully I don't sound like that on Wednesday. And so I'm so focused on that that I'm distracted from this morning. And I knew in that moment that the devil was like, Jeremiah, but you've got to worry about that. Don't worry about today's sermon. But I believe God has something for each and every one of you in this room, sitting in these pews right now. I feel like God has a word for you, and he wants to use you. He wants, to, he wants you to know that he wants to use you in this life. He wants you to know that you carry the hope of the world. You have it. And Jesus sees this crowd of people. He sees this. And he says, guys, I don't want to do this alone. I'm not going to go and tell this world. I'm not going to do it alone. I want to use you. And he sees this as he sees the crowd, and there's so many of them. And he says, guys, look at the harvest. Look at how many people need to know about me. He says, but the laborers are few. The people who are willing to come alongside and, and, and join me on this adventure of telling others about Jesus, he says, the laborers are few. See, this tree, if it doesn't multiply, it will become the last Myers lemon tree on earth. But guess what? It's not supposed to be. This tree is supposed to multiply. It has seed. It's going to have lemons, and then the lemons will have seeds, and somehow those seeds will get to places so that they can do what they're supposed to do. It has I don't even know why it has flowers, but it has lots of them. I don't know if it has flowers right now because it needs to be planted, and it's like, plant me. 
I don't, not a plant guy. My wife is. She probably knows all the things about why. I just have a plant. You see, Jesus sees this crowd, and he has this urgency. And he doesn't want people just to be sitting and getting fat and going, you know, I just want to hear about Jesus, hear about Jesus, hear about Jesus. And so many of us, that's what we do. We sit and we hear about Jesus, hear about Jesus, hear about Jesus. But we never do anything alongside Jesus. We don't join him on this journey. We just sort of sit and absorb and absorb and absorb. And we become these sponges that, that don't do anything. And Jesus looks at this crowd and he says, they're distressed and they're dispirited. They are, they are broken, hurting. They need hope. And I'm looking going, who's going to join me on this? Who's going to come alongside me and, and share this hope of the world it says in luke chapter 10 verses 1 and 2 it says now therefore it, it's jesus uses the same wording but it's a different time it says now after this the lord appointed 70 others jesus said okay i've already sent out the 12 now i want to send out 70 more jesus is multiplying he values people he sends out 70 more in pairs ahead of him in the city so they might tell others that he's coming and he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. At first it was just Jesus. Jesus was going around and he was telling people. And then he's got those 12 and those 12's lives were changed and he sent them out in twos. And all of a sudden now he's got six groups going out. That's multiplication. And then he's got 70 going out in groups. And that's 70 divided by two is 45. No, 35. 35. 35, that's good. Good job, math whizzes on a Sunday morning. That's multiplication. This is how you reach people on purpose for a purpose. That was Jesus' purpose. Because he saw a crowd that was hurt. Now he sends out 70. What training did they have? Well, if they started with Jesus on day one, maybe three years. Three, some of you might think, I don't know, I don't know enough. Last service, I talked about my friend Tom. My friend Tom just gave his life to the Lord a couple weeks ago. His whole family did. And he was like, Jeremiah, you know, he's talking about serving and where can we, where can we serve and all that. He goes, I just don't know that we know enough. I'm like, dude, you don't have to know enough. My, uh, another friend of mine, Caden, he plays basketball. He, he scored on me and he's all excited. He's 17 years old and his brother-in-law was talking about getting baptized. He's like, I don't know if I know Jesus enough. I'm like, there's no, no, no enough. I don't know Jesus enough. And I'm up here telling you about him every week. I don't know him enough. I'm still learning. Every day I learn new things. Every day, and some of the things, it's just from the Bible. I was reading out of Judges today. I was like, man, this is jacked up stuff. But I'm always learning. These people in, 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 in Luke and in, in, Mar in Matthew, they, it wasn't like they finished seminary school. And Jesus like, you graduated you 12 get to go first. And then all of a sudden, those 12, they go, and he goes, okay, good job. We're now in year three. You graduated. Go. No, he's like, go and tell. Go and tell. Go and invite. My son Ezra handed me this card, which is all beat up and folded. He goes, Daddy, hold this for me. I said, why? He goes, because I'm going to invite my friend from school to church. That's multiplication. That is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, even though to his end is 67th Avenue and Thunderbird. But Ezra said, I'm going to invite. Because it's that simple. Jesus isn't asking him to go and preach some sermon. Jesus isn't asking them to go and do something crazy. He's just saying, will you just go and tell them I'm coming? 
Just go and tell them I'm on my way so that they are ready. And that's what they did. The 70 in pairs, he didn't send them out alone. They had a team, and they went, and they shared. And Jesus, he, he sees this crowd, and I love this heart of Jesus. And I, I've been, my heart has been so burdened to share this with you guys. So burdened. Because I don't think we have much time left. And even if Jesus comes, and he, or he doesn't even come until we all die, we don't have that. I, I'm 42. I have, I have maybe 40 good years left. I mean, if I die at the same age all my grandparents died, I've got till I'm like my mid-70s, till my grandma's 85. She's not doing so well. I've, I've got that much time left. I've got 43 years. I don't want to waste 43 years. I want to end 43 years running. And some of you, you're, you're older than me. Tony, you're older than me. I tease. He's the oldest person in my office. He's really old. He's actually like a year older than me. Either way, we don't have much time. And some of you, you're, you're 17, 15, 14 years old. You've got more time than I do, but you don't have much time. Because let me tell you, time races. And I look back at my life, and I just think, I wasted so much time. And Jesus looks at this crowd. He looks at this crowd. And he says, guys, do you see the people? They are distressed. Distress, that, that word distress means confused. Would you not say that's our culture today? They're dispirited, meaning helpless and hopeless. Is that not our culture today? If your heart does not break for those around you, I ask you, why? You know, I love that my brother and continue to invite. He has friends that he invites all, almost all, all the time to church. He's always inviting. His, the people he does construction with, all of that, that's just his heart. But his, he's got these friends that are so close to his heart that he's like, Jeremiah, I just want them to come to know the Lord. He goes, I've got one. There's one more left. Because he sees they are distressed and dispirited. But you know what? Jesus is hope. And maybe you're sitting in here today, and somebody brought you to church, and you are distressed. You are dispirited. You, you feel helpless and hopeless, and you're just confused. You're wondering what is right, what is wrong, what, what is going on in our world. I, I don't get the things that are happening. I feel like our world has no right or wrong. Our world is jacked up. Tom said to me yesterday, we, he took me to the Suns game, and I got to talk to him, and um, he just wanted to ask me, because he's brand new to Jesus. Brand new. It's, if you don't have people that are brand new to Jesus around you, open your circle up. Because you are missing out on some amazing conversations. He said, Jeremiah, do you think the world is getting darker? I'm like, yeah. He goes, why? I said, well, because, I go, you know what a plumb line is. He's in construction. And he goes, yeah. I go, imagine if that plumb line gets off by one degree. I go, you may not notice it in a foot, but you'll notice it at a mile. 
I go, and that's what's going on with our world. Our world is off just a little bit off of true. It's actually a lot off of true. It's like if true is this way, our world is like that way. <laughs> that way, actually. It's more like, hey, hell. Um, and Jesus, he looks at this crowd. So I'm able to talk to Tom and say, you know what, this is what happened. But that's why Jesus came. And every life Jesus grabs, he starts bringing those lives back into line with him. And so we may be off. And the, the problem is so many Christians live out here instead of bringing their lives back here. They believe these lies and they want to add Jesus to their life so they have a little bit of hope. But they still live off plumb instead of bringing our lives back. And when you start looking at the life of Jesus, this heart of Jesus that he loved people, and that that's, that's our heart. And so you may be here hopeless. Jesus loves you. It's okay that you failed. It's okay that you've messed up. It's okay that, that maybe you're way off in life. Jesus loves you. You sinned. You've messed up. We all have. I'm far from perfect. I'm, I'm really good at messing up my life. I'm great at it. I've been doing it for 42 years. Nobody had to teach me. I taught myself. Self-taught sinner. But guess what? Jesus is a life changer. So Jesus, he's got his 12. He says, guys, actually, he's more than his 12. He's got a whole posse around him. He's got men and women. He says, do you see the crowd? They're helpless and hopeless, sheep without a shepherd. He says, the harvest is plentiful. But what was the problem? The laborers were few. When you look at Luke Luke 9, Jesus went to multiple people. He says, hey, come and follow me. The first dude says, Jesus, can I go and do something else first? I'm busy. Jesus goes to the next person. I don't know what, what, who they were. I don't know their name. But all I know is they said, Jesus, I'm too busy to help you right now. So when Jesus comes to this point in Luke, it's because he just experienced people going, I'm too busy right now. I'm too busy. Jesus says, the laborers are few. He says, he says, the disciples look to harvest. Like, people are ready. They're ready to hear from me, but I want to use you. I want to use you to tell the world. I want to use you to share it. I want to use, use you to invite your neighbors. Like, who are you going to invite to Easter? Do you have a name? Mine's Mike. He's my neighbor three doors down. I'm going to invite Mike, and I'm going to invite his lady, Desiree. I'm going to invite them. I'm also going to invite my neighbors right next door, Kathy with a K and Jeff. I'm going to invite them. I've invited them before, and I told them, I said, I know you hear me sometimes use a louder voice than I should at my children. And I know that if you come, you'll see me on that stage, and I'm so far from perfect. But I want to invite you to church. Let me tell you, it, that's, uh, that's a fun conversation. Not like I'm this angry, mean old man, but I'm going to invite them. Those are my names. Jeff and Kathy, Mike and the lady, Desiree. Because I know they need hope. And when Jesus calls us to serve, he doesn't say it's going to be easy. He actually tells us it's going to be hard. I send you out as lambs and among, amongst wolves. He says, guys, it's going to be tough. But I won't leave you. 
I won't leave you. You see, what, what a sheep does when Jesus says this, a sheep that follows Jesus, a sheep depends on their shepherd, a sheep follows the shepherd, a sheep listens to the voice of their shepherd, and that's us. Like Jesus says, I want to use you. Be planted. Growth happens. Growth happens. When, when I plant this, it's going to grow, and it's going to grow lemons. It's what it's going to do. When you get planted in Jesus, you will grow. You will grow. And I've seen it in people's lives. There's a young man over here named Zach. Zach Vogel came into this, sir, into not this church, but when we were back at, at the movie theater, he came in on one Sunday morning ready to take his life, had given up hope, didn't want to live anymore. He had just lost his dad to cancer a few years earlier. He just went through a super bad breakup, and he didn't want to live anymore. He had lost hope. And you may think, what could I possibly do to serve God? What could I possibly do to be of any value? You want to know what added value to his life? The greeters at the door. The people that said, hey, how are you this Sunday? And they welcomed him. And then every moment, every step of his day, as he walked into that church service, at a movie theater on that Sunday morning, he was welcomed and he was loved. Zach decided on that Sunday, you know what? I am worth something. I'm worth something. And he came back. And he came back. And he came back. And then he started to serve. He served on our, our tech team running sound, which he knew nothing about. He's even deaf in one ear. How good is a deaf in one ear sound guy? Zach does a great job. Then he started serving in students, helping our student ministries. And little by little, he was surrounding himself with people that could help him become who God is calling them to him to be, because that's our mission. We want to help people belong in community, believe in Jesus, become who God is calling them to be. He, be, he is becoming who God is calling them, him to be. He recently got engaged. He's getting married in a few months. A, a man who five years ago was ready to say, I'm done with life, Jesus said, but I'm not done with you. So you may think, but how could God use me at the door with our kids? Like, I don't know who my Sunday school teachers were. I don't. I've been in Sunday school since I was like, born. But I can tell you they changed my life. I was not a good kid. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a wild kid. I mean, you see my energy pent up here. Imagine me in a classroom. Okay? I'm nothing like my son Ezra. He's nice, kind, has energy. I'm like a rabbit that races around. But they poured into me. People valued me. I'm thankful for my youth leaders. I'm thankful for the ushers at, at the church I grew up in who, who poured value in me, who when they see me, they say, hey, I see something in you. Jesus says, the harvest is ready, but I need more people to help. I need more laborers. Will you join me on this? Pray and ask God. So I ask you, I invite you today. What is God saying? Hey, we don't have much time. Join me. Join me on this adventure and you will never regret it. So what is Jesus calling you to do? For you, it might be just putting your hope in him. 
because you might have come in here hopeless. And Jesus is saying, but I want to change your life. So your next step might be just get planted and start going to church. Learn about Jesus. But your next step, it might be bear fruit. Start serving. Join a team and watch God use you. Watch him. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you have a plan for us. I thank you that you're not going to give up, that you never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you that you are compassionate and loving. Jesus, I thank you that you, your plan is to reach the world and you want to do it through us. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I ask that if there's anybody in here this morning that has never put their trust in you, Lord, that they would. And if that's you, if you've never taken that step and put your trust in Jesus, because that, that's what my friend Zach did. So my friend Tom did a couple weeks ago. His, actually, my friend Tom, his entire family gave their lives to the Lord on the same Sunday. His wife and his two kids said, you know what? We want to live for Jesus. Because he, he, Tom told me, he goes, Jeremiah, I don't, at the end of my life, I don't want all my marine buddies. At the end of my, wife, my life, I don't want people looking at me going, man, he was a good worker. He said, Jeremiah, at the end of my life, I want people to know that I loved my family and I love Jesus. I was like, wow, man, if more people had that focus and you're only four weeks old in Jesus. If that's you, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, you want to join me on this adventure of following Jesus, because that's what it is. It's an adventure. I ask that you pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I'm far from perfect, but you already knew that. I ask that you'd forgive me and help me live for you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I ask that you give me hope. Jesus, I know there's a bunch of us in here that we're stirred. We're trying to figure out, okay, God, what is my purpose? What is it? And Jesus, you're just saying, I want to use you to tell others about me. So Jesus, I pray that we would take that message of hope to the world no matter where we go, whether it's our school, our work, our neighborhood, our apartment complex, whatever it is. Jesus, may we take that message and tell others that you love them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.